You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. It is a pleasure to be here. The Lord has opened the door from Halifax to here. I've been speaking in other places, but close to Halifax or New Brunswick. And now he opens the door. I remember 26 years ago, he says, get up and go tell the world. I've never stopped. So now, today, I thank him that he showed me how to obey. He wants now Christians, risky Christians, trust and obey. Obey is not that bad to do, but to trust is another thing. It's a little harder. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We thank you for who you are. You are holy. Say holy. You are magnificent. You you are full of knowledge and full of power. We don't know how much power you have but we can know it. So we thank you for your presence this morning in the worshiping. This is precious. Have your way. Only your way through me. From Halifax to Cold Lake, you have brought me here while my husband, my blind husband, is on training with his new guiding dog in Ottawa. It's hot in there, he says. 42. You have opened this door. So, Lord, I want to share only my experience. That's all I can share. I want to share the power of daily prayers. You know, it's, it's, it's daily, hourly, minutely. I thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Let's say Jesus. Let's give him the praise. Jesus. Jesus. If you want to open your Bible, I hope everybody's got it. I would ask you to go to Jeremiah 33.3. Jeremiah 33.3. I've always read my Bible loud. I don't know why, but the Lord showed me why. So, call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. This is my SOS scripture. It is still my SOS. 
Now he says, he doesn't say call me. He says call to me. The two demands an action. Talk to me. That's what he's saying. He's saying talk. A prayer is a talk. Talk to me. And in Acts 6.4, he says, give yourself continually in prayers. Continually. You know, we have a life. We have a lot of things to do. We get up in the morning. We don't have time to pray. We don't have this. Yes, we do. When we get up, we say, Lord, I have a big pro program today, but I need your help. That is a prayer. It's short, but it is a prayer. When, when I was born again, I had never heard a prayer. When I saw the pastor with his long words, I said, I'll never pray like that. You don't need to. You say, Lord, I'm tired this morning. Give me strength. That's another prayer. Your kid is going to school. You gather them. You say, let's talk to Jesus. Let's talk to Jesus. And you get them together. You say, Lord, cover them with your precious blood. You know, They don't need to understand, but they're going to start feeling it. My Jesus will make sure that they feel it. There's all kinds of prayers. There's corporate prayers on Wednesday night, Thursday night at the school. This is very good. There's intercession. There's supplication. There's thankfulness. There's healing. I'm going to talk to you about that. But there's personal daily prayers. Talk to the Lord. Talk to Jesus. So I want to talk to you about this today. God has a plan, and his plan is to he that we hear his voice. If you don't talk to your wife, there's no relationship, there's, no, there's nothing. You'd have to talk to your wife. At a certain point, she's going to say, or vice versa, your wife has to talk to the husband. So you talk. If we want to know his voice and to hear his voice, we have to be ready to have him speak of cleansing before giving you direction. So sometimes we want to pass that, that, that cleansing. We want to have direction right away. But the Lord says in Jeremiah, I will answer you. Some people have told me when I was born again, I was 52 years old when the Lord came to me. Oh, you know, you, you, you always say that the Lord answers you, but me, he doesn't. He will in his time and is his way. But he will. It might be a no, it might be wait, but he will. The Lord wants us to come to him with our honest expression of anguish. You got anguish in your life? Tell him. He wants to hear it. Distress and pain, he wants to hear it. Tell him the truth about hard times. 
I wrote, I wrote to Jesus for 10 years, two hours a day. Lord, where are you? You say you never leave me nor forsake me. My husband is quadriplegic. I'm paraplegic. Where are you? I talked to him, my anguish, including the deepest, deepest feelings of anger and sadness. Lord, I'm mad today. I don't want that, Lord. I'm mad today. I've got anger. Get it out of my system in Jesus' name. You know, this is normal. We're not divine. We're human. He's your loving father. I never had a father. He abused me, so he wasn't a father. So when I met Jesus, I fell in love with him. So he's a loving father. He wants to rest in your arms. In 1 Peter 5, 6, 7, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand, the mighty, mighty power, mighty hand of God, casting all your cares, all. He didn't say a few, a little bit here and a little bit there, all. Now I want to talk to you how this power was really real in my life. The Lord came to me 26 years ago. That gives you an idea, you know, how young I am, right? But he's so original. He came to me through mail. Now, you've got to understand the situation. I was living on the, the water in New Brunswick, the Miramichi. My first husband, was a quadriplegic with Lou Gehrig's. No, no arms, no legs. And I was a paraplegic, no legs. That's a nice picture, right? Lord says she can't walk, he can't walk, they can't go out, I'll get in touch with her by mail. I had no children close. They were 16 hours away. They had their lives. They were married. And he sends me an invitation to go see the movie Come the Morning from Billy Graham. So I said to the homemaker that was taking care of both of us, now you have an idea at night when, we, when they would put us to bed, we couldn't get up. We were alone. It's important to know that I had never been to Sunday school in my life. I didn't know Jesus loves me, this I know. Never. I had no idea. I hadn't gone to church since grade three. My mother was Roman Catholic, but I was raised with mother moral value. Today, it's a little rare, but it's there. So I receive, how did I get this way? My husband quadriplegic and me paraplegic. One day I was driving my husband with my homemaker for a relief bed. I hadn't put my husband away for seven years. He had Lou Gehrig's. And the doctor says, there's a place so you could rest for a week. I was driving with her. And when we got about an hour away, I couldn't get out of the car. Somebody came and changed me on the right side. 
we left my husband there, and she drove back to the hospital. I wasn't saved at that time. And she drove down back to the Miramichi. When we got there, they gave me morphine, and then they phoned the, 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 the specialist in Moncton. He says, give her some anti-inflammatory, flush her, and send her to Moncton, and we'll do surgery. We know what's the problem. L4, L5 was totally crushed to pieces, and it was all over my sciatic nerve. What I didn't know is that, and what nobody knew, I was allergic to anti-inflammatory. And then, you know, now I know that when you die, you know you're dying. I felt weak and weak and weak. The blood pressure was going. The allergy was working. So, but the Lord, the Lord, but the Lord. The, the doctor was on the wing, and she came in, and she flushed me with a bag, and then I died, and they brought me back to life. You know, when they shake you like this, you feel it. You do. I came back to life. You know where I would have gone if I would have died? Directly to hell. But the Lord had a plan. So they, they moved me to Moncton. They gave me a surgery. <laughs> I never walked after that. So this is the situation. We're two like this at home. And now we're not saved. We're in jeopardy. Okay. So I said to the homemaker, get us dressed and I'm going to see the movie. And I asked when I, we got there, how much does it cost? I didn't know it was a church. And he says, it's free, madame. Oh, so they sat me, and then they gave me a decision card. You call it what here? Connection, Connection card. Okay, so I filled that in. I was on morphine, because I was in excruciating pain. I looked at the movie, and then my homemaker brought me back home. And the next week, the pastor came to visit me. And the situation, the thing he saw, he couldn't believe. And when he came, he said, Celine, he said, would you read the Bible? I said, I would read any book. That's all I can do for the past 10 months. And I'm intellectual. So he said, would you read this Bible? I said, sure. So he left me a Bible, and faith started to build because he says, I'm going to give you a little room at the church, and your homemaker can bring you to church downstairs, and you can read the Bible, and you ask questions, and I will answer. See, I was educated at 52, so, you know, like, so I started to go every day at that church, and I started to read the Bible out loud. Why? I don't know. But faith was, was, was being built. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I was screaming my heart. I was the only one in the basement. I didn't give a hoot nanny. You know, I was in pain. I was reading and whatever it was giving. Eh? So 
I read the Bible from, old, from the beginning, Old Testament to the New, in five months, five hours a day, and wrote to Jesus two hours a day, and then would bring me back home. This is how I learned about the power of prayer. The pastor had asked is seven leaders in the church. He said, I want you to stop praying for any of your own personal petition. It, you don't pray for your mother no more. You don't pray for your sister no more. You don't pray for anybody else than a strange, stranger's soul until that soul comes to the Lord. I mean, those seven guys, after five months, they say, she'll never come to the Lord. And the pastor says, yeah, persist, persist. She's curious. She's got questions. I remember, you know, we were in a very small, small, small church with a young pastor. And I said, where was Jesus three, three days after he died? He says, well, let me go on my computer and I'll come in with an answer tomorrow. I said, what's the matter? You don't know? How come you don't know? See, when you're educated, you want an answer, right? So for five months, but then, we had already decided, my husband and I, to jump the bridge. That means to suicide ourselves. Because when you don't have Jesus, when you don't have Jesus, you know, you have no hope. I couldn't take care of him. He couldn't take care of me. That was our solution. And we had chosen a specific day. So after reading the Bible and writing to the Lord, one Saturday night, I said to the homemaker, bring me back to the church. I got I to gotta talk to the Lord. I, and I talked out loud. He brought me to church. And this is where revelation this is where revelation came to me. And I said to the Lord, I cannot say no to you. I have to say yes. I fell in love with Jesus in the Bible. So I gave my heart to the Lord out loud. I read the Bible out loud, gave my... So, this is the power of prayer. Seven men praying the Lord answers. I mean, it must have been, if I ask you to stop praying for your friends, stop praying for your husband and wife, it's hard. You got to just let, let go. Here now, we don't need, it says in Jeremiah, I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not need to know. We have to stop asking why. It's none of our business. It's God's business. So salvation was in. I said to the homemaker, tomorrow we're going to church. There's a missionary from the Philippines, and my husband will be healed. Why would I say that? I didn't know. So we went. God wants us to be the man or the woman he intended us to be. 
So we got to make sure we know the plan of God. Less of the world. So we went to that church that morning, after church. This is powerful. Come on. And everybody left. And then they brought my husband in front, who was a a quadriplegic. The missionary from the Philippines was 81. Good stuff, you know. (laughs) And he he came to, to my husband. He prayed. And then the homemaker, he said to me, it's your turn, Celine. Because me, I was asking the Lord for my husband's healing. And then they got me up. And he came to me. And you know what he asked? What do you want? I said, I want to be healed. And he says, why? I said, because as much as I need my homemaker, I'm fed up of them. They're in my bras and, and my everything, you know. I don't have a freedom. I, don't, I want to take care of my husband. And he started to pray. And you know, when the Lord touches you in a mighty, mighty power, the, the warmth and the heat from the toe to your hair makes you feel like a leaf that's going down with the wind under. You know, you're so... And, you know, you're going down, and they sat me, and then the missionary got to me like this. Get up, go tell the world. I got up. I could have said, I can't walk. It was true. I got up. And there were chairs not hooked like this, all separate. And I went up. And you know, when I was reading the Bible loud, and I gave my heart loud, you know, vocally to the Lord, when I started to go up, down, I praised the Lord out loud. It all goes together. It all. And then I was totally healed. I got outside. He had a, a man with him, and they took it as a video. I went outside the church, and I got in the car. I drove my standard that I couldn't drive anymore. I went home. I phoned my daughter. She says, who is this? I said, it's your mom. And she says, I, you don't even have the same voice. God, that's power. The prayer of the missionary, that's, pro- that's power. That's power. To me, he was my teacher. I was reading the Bible. To me, he was my healer. He is still my healer. To me, he was my counselor when I was writing to him. And I wasn't happy about him. <laughs> I would tell him. You know, you can tell him anything. And then to me, he's my friend, the best friend, but he's my God. He's holy, no mistake, no mistake. I had 40 homemakers in 10 years. I prayed every day. I wrote to him. I did not know how to pray like everybody was praying, you know, but I prayed. Every day, constantly, continually. During that time, the devil was still, my husband wasn't saved, was still, we're going to go jump 
two days before we had planned to kill ourselves, I gave my heart to the Lord. We never talked about that anymore after. This, the Lord took care of it. See, he took care of it. We have to trust him. During that time, you know, you get discouraged, eh? But then when you start, when you, for, for, for 10 years I wrote, you know, and you tell the Lord everything and, and, and you love the Lord, he nev you're never alone. I'm telling you, you're never alone. You'll never feel alone if you talk to him every day and if you pray every day. And, you know, it's so easy with the things of the world. But when you get older, I find it's easier. When you're young, you got kids, you got this, you got that. But when you're old, you say, Lord, I thank you because I'm old. You know, it's true. I thank you because I'm content. I thank you, Lord, because I don't want some more. I have plenty. I am over-blessed. I remember it was my SOS scripture. I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Why do we want to know? Why do we want to know everything? You see, education is good. I have nothing against. But too much of knowledge leaves you with less of heart. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Be very careful not to let knowledge invade you. Because it's the world. And the Lord wants to separate us from the world. And it's okay. Because you know what? Do you agree with me? The world is in a mess. It is a mess. But you're never alone. So if you know you're never alone, you've got to talk to the Lord. I'm slow this morning, but I'm, I'm allowed. <laughs> I did all this, eh? Yeah. Now, the Lord is so original. I couldn't, you know, I was, I was healed. He started, my homemaker started to say, I want what you have. You're happy, you're full of joy, and your husband's dying. Well, I said, you can get it. So every day, I would give an hour, of course, to the homemakers. I had my own little ministry in my house, but I didn't know what ministry was. But as a teacher, I was teaching what the Lord has taught me. I'm a spirit-taught Christian. Paul was like that, a spirit-taught, right? So my homemaker, I start, were starting giving their heart to the Lord. They, and the ones that gave their heart out of 40 there's about 27 who are still serving the Lord. See the power.
power of prayer. I didn't pray for my husband. I never asked my husband, do you want to go to church? I plugged him with videos. <laughs> videos of the Lord. And he couldn't get it out. <laughs> I say to the homemaker, he's plugged in. <laughs> Don't touch. One day, I plugged him with the video, Jesus. And at the end, there's an altar call. And he gave his heart to the Lord, and I came home. I never asked him to come to church with me. He says, we're going to church tomorrow, so the homemaker, get my clothes ready. I didn't say, oh, isn't that nice? I ignored it. That's the Lord's business. Careful. Don't put your foot in between God and somebody because you're in trouble. Eh? So my husband gave his heart to the Lord, and he went to be with the Lord three days, day for a day before, after he gave his heart to the Lord. Now, I became a widow. This is so fun. I'm telling you, it's no joke. It's not fun. Society is made for couples. So you're left behind. But I was saved. So I tried to sell my house in New Brunswick. It wouldn't sell. The Lord wanted me just for himself. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want? He says, I want you to, to, to study the Bible. So I said, okay. So I took one course at a time because I didn't have much money. So I would take one course, sell the, 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 the sit-on or sell my skis, paid for my course, and studied correspondence. Seven years, the house wouldn't sell. And then after, the Lord says, put your house on sale. Two weeks later, it was sold. See, the Lord wants to communicate with us, to teach us. But we have to hear. We have a tendency today to talk too much. And we have lost the art of listening. Everybody. So the Lord's, I study, and then I started packing. And I moved to Ottawa. And that night, I was driving 16 hours from New Brunswick to Ottawa. And the Lord says, uh, I have a husband for you in Ottawa. I said, whew, Lord, I took care of one for seven years, for 10 years. I am not looking for a man. And the Lord says, we'll see. OK, we'll see. Two years later, I was married. Now. Let me tell you something. <laughs> now, in Ottawa, you know, I, I, I got in a church that was 2,000 from a church that were 25. It's shaky, you know. I said, okay, I've studied the Lord, now I've got to give. And then I came one night, I said, I just moved to Ottawa, I feel alone, you know, a widow, any widows here? And no, a widow, I feel alone, and I need some prayer. So I went to that church, and there was a, a room with people sitting there, 
and the other room, they were all on the floor, and they were, you know, like, so I get where they were all on the floor. <laughs> and I, the man comes to me, and he says, what do you want? I said, I need prayer. He says, well, follow me, it's not time. I said, my Jesus doesn't work on shifts. I need prayer now, you know. He says, it's okay, it's okay, madame, it's okay. So he brings me in the other room. And then he goes, I get out of the room, and I go back to the ones that were on the floor. And I went in the corner, and I said, Jesus, they don't want to pray on me. You pray for me, Jesus. And I went all the way down. And that man came to me, he says, you spoke to me when you said, your your Jesus doesn't have any shifts. He says, I'd like to be part of the prayer group and the deliverance group. I said, anything for the Lord. So I started to go to the deliverance group and the prayer group. And he says, he phones me one night. He says, Selena, I'd like for you to pray about this. I want you to meet my best friend of 20 years. And you should come to our place. And my wife would like to have you for supper. And you could meet this guy. But I have to tell you something. He's legally blind. Oh, I said, this is nothing compared to Lou Gehrig's. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to pray about it. I'll go for the meal. Because when you're a widow, you don't cook a roast beef. You have a sandwich. So this is what happened. So anyway, I met, I got in. And then, Bill is his name, my second. And you see, the Lord knows everything. And that's fun. He knew that this man needed a caregiver, and he trained me with Lou Gehrig's for 10 years, so I was ready for a blind man. And, and he gets up, and he gets up. He's a Dutch of six feet four. He gets up, and he gets up, and he gets up, and something inside leaped, and I said, Jesus, don't play that dirty tricks on me. I don't want a man, you know. And it stayed like that, and at the end of the evening, he gives me a card. And, you know, he's so tall and so impressive, you know. He gives me a hug and a good hug, you know. <laughs> and then, and then you, you, I get out and I get in my van and I say, Oh, Lord, no, no, no tricks. No tricks, Lord. Please give me a confirmation. You know, he answered me, I'll show you. And then, the next morning, he phones me, did you open your email? I said, not at this time. And I said, but I will. He had sent me the most beautiful poem. I said, Lord, oh, Lord, please, please. But Lord is persistent. When he has a plan, we cannot change God's plan. So anyway, we started every day to see each other. He talked about his past, I talked about my past, and clean everything, okay? After two weeks, oh, I can remember. My lady, we have a future, oh! I said, no, there it is. So, we went out for two or three months, and then he said, I have one question to ask you. I thought I was getting the door. You know, that's it. It's no good. Would you marry me? I said, what did you say? And then he starts to cry. I said, 
Oh God, he's a man, he can cry. <laughs> and then he puts a ring on the table. I looked at it, I said, how did you know I was born in September? He says, I didn't. I bought this ring two years ago when my brother from Holland came. We went to Berks. I said, let's go buy an engagement ring. And I, my, uh, my brother says, Where's, who's the lady? He says, I don't have a lady, but I know I will marry. So he says, I want a stone with two diamonds on each side. So anyway, I looked at this. I said, you knew I was born in September? No. I put the ring in and it fit. I said, you knew it would fit? He says, no. The Lord says, that's your confirmation. So you see, he answers. I will answer you. Take that scripture. It's an SOS. I'm telling you, after 26 years as a Christian, it's still my SOS. Now, he's such a big God. Not only he healed me, not only this. After I gave my heart to the Lord, I said, I have an old Volkswagen of 12 years. I drive my husband with a tube in his stomach in the car to go to Bible on Wednesday, Sunday morning church, Sunday evening. Lord, you say you supply all my need. I've got a yakety yakety Volkswagen. Okay, so you will supply all my need. One Monday morning, the Lord says, you go see your bank manager. I said, I don't have money. My husband is on this disability. Go. I went to see my manager, and uh, I said to the manager, I don't have money. He says, you need a van. Go get yourself a van. That was in October. I was saved in September. So go get your van, and you're due only the 1st of January, 600. I said, oh, my Lord, i got to trust you. So anyway, in between October and January, I thought the Lord could forget, you know. Lord, I hope you remember there's only 20 days before the 1st. I need money, I need... Lord, I, I'm just reminding you, just like a child. Talk to the Lord as a child, because we are a child of God. Anyway, three days before the due date, the manager phones me from the bank. He says, somebody deposit $29,000 in your account. I said, oh, who is it? He says, I can't tell. And I heard audibly. Don't touch. I never knew. I don't want to know. It's the Lord's. He's a big God. Don't ask just small things. Hit the big ones. They're good. They're good. <laughs> God has made something beautiful out of my life. I did not know his love before the way I know it now. He gave me a house I never wanted. He gave me a husband I never wanted. I could not see my need. You see, at the time, I couldn't. But then, the way grew, grew, the way grew rough with Lugarics, and we were in trouble. The storms and the clouds started to roll in my life. 
the waves began to rock my ship. Oh, my Lord, your sea is so big and my ship is so small. You know, we all been there. I had no strength. So through the dark and the lonely night, he guided me. He did. He guided me. I learned Jesus loves me, this I know, in my king-size bed as a widow with all those cassettes in those times, and I bought all kinds of translation of Bible, and I'd say, Holy Spirit, teach me while I sleep. And he did. You know, it's amazing that when you get up and you know a song all by heart and you never sang it. You know this, you, you really know this. Yet through the pain and my tears, my faith grew. It was not easy in the storm. No, but a lot, a lot of people here, we all have our storms. And I often thought, I can't go on, Lord. But Jesus, my Jesus, never left me alone. And I was alone. Through the pain, through the fire, through the flood, he helped me all the way. And now I see, never before, how great his love can be. He worked, he worked it out for good. So, so we don't have to worry about that. He only sent what I could bear. And then he said what you'd think he said. Enough. Enough. He raised his hand and he says, be still and know that I am God. I now, I know more storms will come. Because, you know, I said to my husband, can you see yourself living alone? He says, no, I'm blind. And the Lord says, you're going to be a widow again. Oh, Lord, not a widow again. Yeah. We all have to do our part. I know deep inside of me that he'll be going. He's 82, that he'll be going, but he could be 62 and going too. But he will be going before me because my Jesus doesn't want, loves him so much. He knows he cares, you know. He cares for him and he knows he needs help. You know, sometimes we think somebody's blind, it's not a big thing. <coughs> Try to live with them. You'll see it's not easy. So we've got to trust him. And if I have to become a widow again, I will become a widow with a smile. Because my Jesus is going to, he's going to help <coughs> me to smile through this. Here he says, I know my storms will come, but only for my good. Oh, yes. For pain and tears have helped me grow as nothing ever could. I still have so much to learn as Jesus works in me. If in the storm I love him more, that's where I want to be. So I've got to be willing. 
I think of Jesus, what he suffered compared. And here, I don't know if anybody knows the Magruders down south in US. This is what they sing. When there's no place to go, and you think no one knows what you're going through, and you're all going through something. When you've done all you can, and you're exhausted, my friend, and I know some are exhausted, when life overwhelms you, or someone betrays you, uh-uh, and you feel like nobody cares, there's still one place I know. When there's no place to go, you can go to Jesus in prayers. Write to him. Write to him. He always listens. If your life is at a dead end, you, you, you're way down, okay? And I can still recommend to go to Jesus in prayer. If you cannot rise above your fears when pain is not re it's releasing you and you've got so much pain and there's no peace within you, and you feel it's not fair when my night's sleep is lost and I've turned and I've tossed. Most of all, we did. I can go to Jesus in prayers. Now, because I'm old, I have a tendency to go back a little bit. Let us go back a while. That's my conclusion. To when I was a child, how well the times when the old saints would pray till the breaking of day. And not one soul would mind. They would stay in church for hours. And, and the spirit would pull till the altars were full. The altars were full a long time ago. That's how it was in the past. But what once meant so much is now covered in dust. And the times prompt me to ask questions. Does anyone pray anymore? Does anyone pray anymore? Do we really care for the lost? They prayed five months just for my soul. There's no need that I, our children are dying. When just, and we think we're okay, and that we've got it made, oh, everything's fine. I'm afraid we've got it all wrong. There's a need in our day for a people to pray till the dust on the altar is gone. We've learned to cover very well with the story we tell. We're saying we're in revival again. But when I try to imagine, 
I cannot fathom all the souls that are dying in sin. And this question still burns. Are we really concerned or have we grown tired of the fight? We may fool a few by avoiding the truth, but the dust on the altar can't lie. Drink. Think that you have to put Jesus first. Then your spouse. That's the hierarchy of God. Then your children. Then your ministry. That's my Jesus hierarchy. So the dust on the altar has to be. It's time for us to walk to the altar, I believe, in repentance. Because we haven't put Jesus first. We have put the world first. And if we look seriously, we have to repent. Change our heart, Lord. Change my heart. Forgive me, Lord. I desire to hear from you, Lord. Show me how. I have to get the dust out of the altar and kneel down and ask for forgiveness. We want you to be, Jesus, our teacher, our healer, our counselor. We serve a big God. Thank you, Lord. Now, the altar is open, but before you come, if you come, wait on Jesus. Let's bow down and wait on Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.